school can be tough. We'll help you navigate some of the areas you need help with, including the college preparation process by providing advice for families. Every student is different and has a unique path. That's why we created this podcast. Our innovative and intentional approach builds confidence in the individual student. Listen each week to find out how students can score better on college placement tests with techniques and methods that build confidence, beat test anxiety, and identify strengths within each student. You're listening to Simply Smarter with hosts Caleb and Jill. Check out our blog at GetSmarterPrep.com for more college prep-related topics. Welcome back to season two of the Simply Smarter podcast. We are so excited to have you all back. Caleb and I have been antsy to dive into season two of our podcast to give our listeners more advice and help with all things ACT related. On today's episode, we are going to debunk several common myths associated with the ACT and the SAT. It's going to be fun. We have a weird sense of fun around here, don't we? We do. It's all right. Let's get started. I love it. Well, first of all, Jill, what have you been up to this summer? Oh, my goodness. Pool, pool and more pool. Mm. That, that makes sense. Yeah, three Which, kids. That's that's what we do. And it's been so stinking hot around it's here. It's been so hot. Today or today and this week has been great in the 80s. Yeah. Low humidity. Beautiful. My favorite. But yeah, other than that, it's just been hot. Too hot to do anything else other than go to the pool. I get it. I made the mistake of trying to play golf a few days. Gross. It was so hot. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Feels my like husband. temperature of 112. Oh. Yuck. Have fun with that. Yeah. I'm not a fan. But so it goes. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, yeah, so you've been golfing. We've been at the pool. What yeah, else? I saw family. Family, family. was in town. That's mm-hmm. always fun. Always fun. A little vacation here and there. Yeah. You, you have something coming up soon, right? I do. Oh, my gosh. Be- the beach is calling your name. I know. Jamaica, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, we've never been, so we're we're really looking forward to it. That'll be awesome. I know. I'm excited. Very It'll be cool. so great. So great. Uh, when we've also had, what, the June and July ACT. Yeah. Two ACTs have come and gone. Yeah. Scores are out like literally this morning yes. for the July test, which yeah. is exciting. So we're getting to hear the, the that good news and yeah. see those score improvements. And that's always fun. Awesome. And if you didn't go through Get Smarter Prep and have seen your score and need help, you know who to call. Here we are. We're right here. All right. Well, let's get into it. We are going to debunk several common myths when it comes to the ACT and the SAT. First one. Are you ready? All right. I hear a lot of these. Myth number one, the SAT is easier than the ACT. True or false? Or, or the cousin, the ACT is easier than the SAT. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. We hear we hear both all the time. We do. Right? So neither is inherently easier or more difficult. It mm-hmm. just depends on the student. Right? Okay. And sometimes the curriculum that students are going through kind of fits maybe one test better than the other. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, again, maybe your school, you take a bunch of pre-ACTs or you've taken the PSAT since freshman year, the mm-hmm. PSAT 910. Well, then maybe you're better. You're, you're going to wind up doing better there because you've been thinking about it for a lot longer. Right. Right. But then the skill set is just going to be a little bit different. I How so? I like to think of myself as really abstract and creative and whatnot. I can see it. The shirt you're wearing is green and gray striped today, so I can see that. Here I am, right? (laughs) So I I tend to actually be a little bit more of a concrete thinker, and I think the ACT lends itself to that a little bit better naturally. Mm -hmm. Just the way that they ask the questions, it's more direct, it's pretty clear cut. They may be asking for something really 
weird or dumb right. or strange, but you know what they're looking for. I feel like for half the battle on, on the SAT, a lot of students have the trouble of trying to decipher what are they actually asking. Mm-hmm. And some students, that's just just not a good fit for yeah, them. Trips them up. Yep. I would say, generally speaking, student scoring kind of in that mid-range around the 50th percentile and below the act tends to be a little bit better fit that's just something that we've seen from the data over the mm-hmm. over the years um, so what would that be what's the middle middle 50 percent so on the act that's about a 20 okay and on the sat it's going to be around a 1060 okay good to know 1050 somewhere around know. there okay and the kansas average and the national average is 21 yeah so if you're falling maybe a little bit below that range then yeah. that would be a good fit for you could be could, could be. be not for sure Right. Oh, yes. I uh, love that. I will say one of the things to also be taking into account, because we offer both te- practice tests, right? right. We, want, we want a student to get a baseline on both exams and make sure that they're moving in the right direction mm-hmm. for them in particular. Every week, guys, free practice tests every week. There it is. Thank you. Nice, nice little plug there. You're welcome. But we, we want to see what, how a student is doing. But I will also say that I generally think that the ACT is a is, is an easier test to prepare for mm-hmm. uh, just because there are more good materials that have been released because it's been it's been stable for longer. The yes. SAT has gone through a lot of transitions from 05 to 2015. To, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just a lot of they've done some kind of interesting things along the way. And real quick, we have had some parents talk about the adversity score with the SAT. So speaking of some of these changes, uh, we will further dive into that um, on a later podcast. But that is one of the changes that you that you speak of. So how does that affect uh, students around here specifically uh, when it comes to that adversity score that the SAT is going to roll out? That they have rolled out. Yeah. Officially. We just don't know much about it. But we'll get into that at another time. A later date. (laughs) A different podcast. Very good. Anyway, back on track. Uh, the, the other indicator, generally speaking, for if a student's going to do better on the ACT or SAT is going to be that math piece, right? Mm-hmm. The the, ma- the math makes up half of your score on the SAT, whereas right. on the ACT, it's only a quarter of, of your score. Mm-hmm. So historically, the SAT used to be much more verbal-based, right? When they were on the 2400 scale, two-thirds of your score was verbal and one-third was was math. Well, now it's shifted and now it's half math, half verbal. Mm-hmm. So if you tend to be a really good math student, maybe it could be a good fit. Now, again, like I said earlier, it may be a challenge of like deciphering what are they actually asking? Right, right. That may be tricky. Well, and there is a calculator section and a no calculator true, section. True. So some students that can throw them off, not having that that crutch, that, that tool, that, mm-hmm. that not even necessarily crutch, but that tool that they regularly have and... You just don't get that option yeah. on one of the sections of the SAT. Yeah, and it might take them a little bit longer to figure that that question out. ACT you can use the calculator throughout the whole thing, so quite a difference. So true. Anything else for the SAT is easier than the ACT, or the ACT is easier than the SAT? No, I think it's just very dependent on on the student and the the situation. Okay, so that's a big false. Big false, not true. Big false. Okay, myth number two. The SAT is more accepted on the East Coast than the ACT. Hmm. And I'll throw in the other caveat, or on the West Coast. Right. Because we hear that a lot around here, too. Or Midwest really will take the the ACT. ACT. (laughs) Look Mm. at us. In sync there, even. So, really... This is this is a 
this is kind of a generational thing, I think. A lot of parents who who went through the process yes. 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. it looked a lot more like that. There was the coastal bias that wanted the SAT. It's mm-hmm. a New York-based exam. Right. And the Midwest expected an ACT, which is based in Iowa, mm-hmm. which is the Midwest. Here we are. There you go. Right? That is completely gone, right? Every school across the entire country will accept both the ACT and SAT without bias. Perfect. Without bias. Like, it doesn't matter if you're looking at an Ivy League, Ivy League school mm-hmm. or a highly selective school on the West Coast. Colleges do not care which one you submit. You just have to submit one or the other. Just do which it, then, one or the other. Which then takes me to the point, make sure that you aren't dividing your attention on two different tests that are mm-hmm. going to get you to the same goal then, mm-hmm. right? Right. Sometime, Focus on one. Yeah, right. That time that you could have been spending on one could be better used on just continuing to prepare for for the same test right right well that kind of leads us into our third myth right we're talking about the how long you should study for a test here's the third myth you should prep for as long as you can for the act I love this one. <laughs> not to put not to put everybody in two camps, but these are the two the two scenarios that we come across. One, we have people who come to us two weeks before a test, and they're like, "Oh, I want to see a four point improvement." Well, yeah. One, we probably don't have any time on our schedule, but even if we did, like, very unlikely. Yeah. Right. Those are great. And then we have the other extreme. They want they want to make sure that they are doing what's right for their kid, and they're starting in seventh grade mm-hmm. or before. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of those actually. Right. And. In, it seems intuitive that maybe that's what we should do, mm-hmm. right? Kind of preparing. But keep in mind what's being covered on the exam. It's material. Again, not all of it is exactly what we're learning during sophomore and junior year, but it is things that we're learning in late middle school or early high school. So if a student yeah. hasn't even seen the material. They simply haven't even learned that. They haven't learned the math. It's only going to be very discouraging for that student continually yeah. getting really low scores because they haven't had the material mm-hmm. in school. Totally, totally makes sense. So, so be cautious on that. We've seen that happen before. And and second of all, think about it in this context. If the test makers do change again, the SAT has made two giant shifts over the last 13 years. Yeah. Students who were preparing from seventh grade on, guess oh, what? Oh, man. That time was literally wasted. That's depressing. Wait, right? <laughs> that makes my heart hurt for those, those little buckaroos. Poor kids. Those kids, man. Those students. So they, they spent I mean, they seventh, have a lot eighth, of knowledge, ninth, tenth but... grade literally preparing for something that didn't even exist once they got to junior year. Ooh, so that's horrible. You don't know what these test makers are going to do next year, let alone three or four years from now. Yeah. So make sure that you're targeting a test date as you're preparing. It doesn't make any sense to be preparing blindly for something that you're not really sure what's going on. Right. And we do recommend that you prepare for a test leading right up to it. Mm -hmm. So how long? Uh, How long should one student prepare? Generally, eight to 10 weeks is sufficient for most students. Okay. Now, if they have humongous goals, maybe we kind of have a two-test approach or do Mm -hmm. something like maybe we do 12 weeks leading up to a test or something like that. But it's never going to be a year or two years or three years. So going back to those goals a little bit, eight to 10 weeks for how much of a score increase? On average. On average. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, boy. Average. We always get nervous talking about averages around here just because every student is so different. Right. So there are some students who don't do the work and whatnot. Maybe they see a couple points in that time mm-hmm. frame, which is still a couple points could be a couple thousand dollars. Yeah, right. So that's true. still a thing. Um, generally, the high end is kind of around that six point okay. um, jump. Again, there are 
a good chunk of students who see more than that. Mm -hmm. But the middle 50% is probably, I would say, that two to six points. Yeah, fair enough. I'd take a six-point increase in eight weeks. Done. Done. Okay. So eight to 10 weeks, that's how long you should prepare for the ACT on average. That's a good, that's a good time frame. Yeah, absolutely. And if a student wants to take it again mm-hmm. a second time, again, you still have that opportunity. We just, when, when students are preparing for that long, there's fatigue, there's just, they're yeah. sick of it. And then of course, with that, the attitude changes and then they're just not as motivated. And mm-hmm. it usually is detrimental to the student's goal score. Not, it's not helping them necessarily. Right. Well, keep in mind, most of the ACT test states are falling during the school year. Yeah, generally. So, yeah, they have school and and then they have to, te- you know, prepare for the ACT. It's yeah. a lot. It's a lot for a student. I'm gonna, sure. This isn't necessarily a myth, but I get this question all the time. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, an extra one here. Ooh, bonus. <laughs> They, I get the question, how many tests can I take? Oh, yeah. And one, I hear that one a lot. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. All the time. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not necessarily a bad question. I just think it's maybe misphrased because you can take the test 12 times. Ooh, that's a lot of time. You're literally talking about two straight years of preparing. Oh, no. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh. That just sounds awful. That's terrible. Okay. So generally speaking, no, don't take it more than two or three times. Okay. okay. Good advice. Uh, Solid. Just there one, there's a lot of data that shows that after the third time we start regressing uh, or we hit that plateau. Mm-hmm. Either one is doesn't isn't beneficial, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Our goal for all of our students is to take the stinking test one time and be done yes. with it. Move on. Yes. Go do all that other important stuff. Right. Get involved with your community or your school or yeah. extracurriculars Work or whatever. Work on your resume. Yes, Absolutely. for sure. Or just have a little fun. Relax after you've taken the test. Yeah. Or hang out with your friends. Novel idea. Maybe focus on your studies. Hey. That extra couple hours each week, right? <laughs> I feel like this is yin yang. I'm <laughs> like, just have some fun with your friends. Relax a little bit. And you're like, or just keep on studying. Keep on going. <laughs> maybe a healthy mix. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Split that time 50-50. Right. Or I mean, I mean, a lot of kids work too. I mean, they have so a part-time true. job. They have their friends. They have their school. And, extracurriculars. And, and that's a positive thing. Yeah. Even if you're working those five or six extra hours each week those are the types of things that also look good uh to colleges as well because you're mm-hmm. demonstrating that you have an, 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 some initiative yeah that you're able to kind of you're employable right. <laughs> so you are a quality human Responsible. being <laughs> right. right absolutely okay here's another one some act tests are easier than others that is this is actually an interesting one mm-hmm. that is true oh, actually what? But it doesn't oh. matter. Oh, That's okay. the key. <laughs> That's the key. So there are easier tests than others. Okay. So I'm not going to totally bust this one. I'm just going to bust the the idea behind. Okay. <laughs> so fair? it's half half seas. Yeah. Right. Okay. Half Explain. Pinocchio. Is that Explain. a thing? What? Oh. I don't know. Okay. It's not really a lie. <laughs> I don't know hey, why. They should remake the Pinocchio movies. They've remade so many other Disney movies. Yeah. Is it a Disney? I think so. Yeah. Think yeah. So it's got to be. Probably. Why haven't they remade that? I don't know. I mean, Lion King is out now. That's a True. good remake. True. They've remade. I think. I think Mulan is coming out it is. in 2020. It is. Claire is really excited about that one. Oh, she grew up on Mulan. Director of Enrollment. Yeah. Yes. How about that, huh? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Good to know. Shout yeah. out to Claire. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So. So it's not about Pinocchio, but no, it isn't. We'll keep on moving forward. <laughs> so <laughs> there are easier ACTs than others. Uh, but there are, that also means that there are really difficult tests out mm. there. 
And then there are those mid-range, right? Mm-hmm. The the thing is, we never know when those tests are going to fall. I was so just going to ask. You can't, so, pr- like, yeah. every every student that comes in that says something like this, they're like, oh, I've heard that the June is the most difficult one. Oh. Then the next student walks that is in. That's crazy. I've heard that, that it's like, uh, yeah, the, the easiest. Then the next student walks in and they say, oh, I've heard the June is the yeah. easiest. <laughs> none of that is, none of that is predictable. Also, if you're hearing both sides, it's probably, probably not, true. not true. Right? So we don't know when it's going to happen. But even if it, even if you get an easier test, everybody got an easier test. Okay. And your score is based upon not only how many questions you get correct, but how many questions you get compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. So if everybody else got an easy test, that just means you have to miss fewer questions to get that same score. Okay, fair Does enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. Which, again, if as long as you're focused, you're mm-hmm. fine. But it, let's let's say that you're not focused that day and you don't get as deep, even though it's easier. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Now you're in trouble because yeah. you're going to miss a lot more questions and it's going to hurt you even more. Yep. Right? I actually kind of get excited when students tell me that they get it. They, they thought the test was really difficult mm-hmm. after they've worked with us, of course. Right. 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 <laughs> because then I know that our students are better prepared than anybody else who took the test that day. Yeah, absolutely. And guess what? It doesn't matter. They they can miss some questions along the way, but there's there's not going to be as harsh of a uh, curve, if you will, mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to the scoring. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that answer. It's it's a good one. I like that was a yeah. good question because we do yeah. hear that quite often. Okay, last question that we're going to ask, the last myth, right? I got a really good score on the PSAT 10, so that means I'll get a really good score on the PSAT and SAT my junior year. I love this, right? So this is one of those things I I alluded to earlier that mm-hmm. the the college board has just done some made some interesting decisions along the way. And one of them is that they've introduced two percentiles for a single test. Hmm. They have they have what's called a user percentile and the national distribu- distribute distribution score. I, I don't know. I don't remember it off the top of my head. I okay. should have I should have looked that up. Right. But just Google the it. nationally representative score is what. Oh, it there is. we go. So in this case, the user percentile is hard to find on these reports, which okay. is kind of weird. But that's the actual percentile compared to the people who took the test. Hmm. Whereas the nationally representative is what they actually kind of like throw on the score report. But it's kind of a made up thing. Like it doesn't actually exist (laughs) because they're just like supposing like, oh, if everybody would have taken this, then you would fall in this range. Right. If. If. If does not work out great in situations like this. So sometimes those percentile ranks don't actually match up. Okay. And then also know the population is probably a little bit different. Right. Uh, So anytime you have a population shift of who's taking the exam, that is also going to influence your score. Because like I said earlier, your score is based on how you do compared to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So who who is going to be taking the PSAT 10? The, it could be some different situations. So sometimes it is students at a public school, mm-hmm. right? Um, what I tend to see is if a, if a school in our area, uh, say a, a really good public school in our area, they will administer the PSAT and they won't pay for the PSAT 10. Mm-hmm. So it'll be sophomores taking the PSAT. Okay. Right. So that's something that I see. When I see students taking a PSAT 989 uh, or a PSAT 10, usually it tends to be at more... Um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Prestigious. Uh, I was going to say a, maybe maybe the, the averages aren't quite as high as at other schools. Okay. And that they're trying to just expose their their students and the population to the idea of college and to the idea of like, hey, the, you're going to have this big test yeah, coming up just someday. just getting them warmed up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, 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 I don't know if that holds true across the entire nation, but that's mm-hmm. definitely something that I've seen around our area here in KC. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So that's something to kind of kind of keep in mind along the way. And again, the, the PSATs are just shorter, easier versions of the yeah, SAT. Right. So again, if you're trying to manage a shorter amount of time and fewer questions, like, yeah, that's just easier for everybody. Doable. You can focus for a little bit shorter of a time. That's right. going to be a little bit easier to do as well. Right. But when we get to like 52 questions in 65 minutes in the mm. reading section of the SAT, yeah, that's a long time to stay focused on a single task. Yeah, it is. Right. It and, is. and then you have this like short break after that. And then an even shorter break after the writing and language. And mm. it can just be more daunting and more of a, a, a marathon, if you yeah. will. Yeah, that makes sense. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, anything else on the PSAT or the SAT? The, the other thing that I'll throw out, just because we ne- we do really well on the PSAT doesn't mean that, we're ne- that we're necessarily going to do as well on the SAT either. They are a little bit different. Like mm-hmm. I said, they're easier, shorter. So some students, they can, maybe they just have the ability to focus better than other students and maybe they'll actually do a little better, which oh, is awesome. Yeah. Right. But most students, most students don't kind of have that ability mm-hmm. to remain focused for three and a half hours rather than a little under three. Right. In which case then again, now we're, now we're kind of hurting ourselves a little bit mm-hmm. and maybe we're going to have some fatigue and not do as well as what we had in the past. Yeah. And again, we're talking about the SAT. So if you haven't taken the ACT, there's nothing to compare. You know, you, you can't right. compare the SAT to the ACT if you've only taken the PSAT. Right. So Absolutely. come on in and take a, a free practice test yeah. for the ACT so you can then compare yeah. uh, compare the two and see which one you like better. I'm, I'm going to throw it. We had a bonus earlier. I'm going to throw out an extra bonus. Oh, right? shoot. So we get the, the question about uh, should, should we prepare for the PSAT? Mm-hmm. Now, it's I don't know if it's a myth, but most students should not prepare for the PSAT. Really? Really. Only about Explain. only one percent of each state's population will actually become national merit semifinalists, which is why you take the PSAT. Which is why, the only reason to prepare and take the PSAT, like mm-hmm. actually prepare for it, right? Mm-hmm. Most schools you don't have an option. You're taking the PSAT that that October morning, right? You're right? stuck, right? But the only reason to prepare for it is to become a national merit semifinalist, and therefore eventually, hopefully, a finalist. Yeah, right. We we just want to make sure we're focused on what's right for the kid. And, and if they're scoring in the 70th percentile, which is really, really great, mm-hmm. th- it's very unlikely that they'll get to the top 1%, the 99th percentile. Yeah, it's pretty elite. Pretty unlikely. Not impossible. I'll never say impossible, right. but very, very unlikely. Right. So why spend all that time and energy on something that doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? And on top of that, colleges, the, it's it's a bit a big honor to become a national merit finalist, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But there's not a lot tied to it anymore. Right. As uh, far as like scholarships, yeah. it's not that big of a scholarship, right? You get a $2,500 scholarship for your freshman year, which is mm-hmm. nice and it nice. sounds really good. But if your school costs forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars yeah. $60,000, like in the grand scheme of things... It's yeah. not that big of a yeah. big of a chunk. Right. The other thing that I always like to talk to families about uh, with regard to the PSAT and national merit and all that. Do you, so you, do you know what the most selective uh, school in the country is? Oh, East Coast. No. West Coast. It is West Coast. Oh, oh. 
no. <laughs> you thought could, really hard I about it. I could throw though. out some guesses, but then you would just keep on saying no. So I probably just would have said me. yes. Stanford. Oh, I was going to say it. I knew you were. I was going to say I it. I knew it. I should have said it. <laughs> so, so Stanford has an acceptance rate uh, this last year of around 4.1 or 4.2 percent. Yeah. Right. All these amazing thousands and thousands of amazing applicants. Yeah. And only 4.2 percent get in. Yeah. Super selective. Well, can you give give me a good estimate of how many of those amazing students? We're national merit finalists. Oh, again, they're all their average scores are thirty three to thirty five at least. Point five percent. Well, that would be really low. <laughs> <laughs> Most people correlate like national merit is like that's really high scoring too. So that would be like like in that thirty. 33 plus ACT score oh, range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like most families are like, oh, all, almost all of them are. Mm. No, only no, 10%. So. <gasps> that means 90% of those amazing students were not Man. national merit finalists. Right, right. So it doesn't really matter. Like it's not going to get you into a school. It doesn't hurt. It's nice. It looks yeah. good on a resume. Yeah. But it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of effort for a little bit. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's a good one. Thanks for that bonus. Thanks for the two bonuses. That's what I'm here for. It's fun. Keep you on your toes. Yeah. Give us more advice. (laughs) Perfect. Well, if you have any other questions or would like to debunk any other myths, we will be here. We're in the office. Give us a call. Let us know. Shoot us an email. Hey, if you send us an email, maybe we'll even (gasps) give you a shout out like we did Claire earlier. Yeah. And then we we can share it with everybody. That would be awesome. That's perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Well, let's wrap it up for this week's uh, episode of Simply Smarter Podcast. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Simply Smarter Podcast with Caleb and Jill. Join us next week as we break down financials between scholarships versus part-time jobs. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our blog at GetSmarterPrep.com or subscribe to the podcast and make sure to give us a five-star review. See you next week.